This morning we had the opportunity and the privilege to have Dr. Andy Counterman from Beam LA, or Latin American Ministries, and so we've asked him this evening to be able to share some more. So Andy, if you want to just start it right off, share what you would like to this evening, please. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, what you'll see in the beginning, I thought we would, uh, I thought we would have, have some fun. There it is. And uh, enjoy a little bit of some of the jungle side of uh, Peru. Peru has three clear, uh, distinct geographic areas. And quite honestly, the whole coastline of Latin America on the West Coast has this. Uh, the desert would be on the west side. Then you get the mountains, and then you get the rainforest and the jungles. I want to introduce you to some, uh, some Christians and some churching on the jungle side. So this is what we'll do. We'll start out with a taxi cab ride. In the jungle, this is what you're going to get. You get from point A to point B. Remember I was telling you about uh, Wilbur, uh, Wilbur Wilka? This is his way of getting from church to church as he ministers uh, among those five churches in the Amazon. This is the upper um, Otabamba River, but this is the type of boat that they have, and they load those things to the gunnels. They really do. This would be a typical scene in one of their towns. Um, still a lot of horseback, donkey, burrow, and the like, but they do spend a lot of time investing in education. Their kids are educated, and they love to invest that way. This is the rainforest. Uh, this, goes, this goes like as far as you can imagine. And uh, the, the, ro- the, ro- the river, the roads, the river roads meander through there. That's their way of getting from point A to point B. Here you can see a taxi loaded. I guess you would call this a bus. I don't know. But um, this is the way that they would typically go and get around in that scenario. When we go down there and go into the jungle, this is our mechanism. We would take um, and hire uh, from um, South American Ministries. It's a, it's a new evangelical parachurch group of aviators. And uh, they, they hire out their plane specifically or uh, hopefully to Christians and um, get us in country. Um, that that uh, Cessna was uh, quite a joy to us, a six-seater. And... Um, for us to just take it and go in and check on our men is about $1,200. So it's not cheap. But, and with prices now, well, you figure it out. I could say thank you to somebody, but I won't. Um, when we pull in, when we landed and pulled into the communities, uh, the young man there in the blue is giving a gospel. Actually, it's a Bible to one of the military men of that community. And he's witnessing. This is Wilbur, by the way. And he is witnessing and ministering. But the whole town comes out to see what's going on. The planes come in. The town comes out. Then you get the kids. And they're, they're, if you look at them, they're all wet. Uh, they live in the water. They, they just are so familiar. That is their life. That's where they get their food. And they're very comfortable in that domain. This is the town crier. He's saying, come to church. The preacher's here. Come to church. So he gets his bullhorn out and he announces it. And sure enough, it's church time. This is not Sipawa. This is one of the other sites that Wilbur ministers to. And this is his praise team. There you go, Art. You do it further. section is open to all. The men are out in the field, by the way. You won't see a lot of men. Let me move it along. When we go there, this is Sapawa. 
And we had the whole church now, it's the evening time, or approaching that, the men are there. And um, the tall guy with his back to us is Ken Lovell. He was doing the translating for us. One of the men that I work, or missionaries that I, I did work with, he's off the field now, uh, doing some other work for mid-missions. But he would be there, and you'll hear him in just a moment. But we got to be able to share uh, preaching with that church, and that's something that we valued very highly. There's a reason we're doing this, a little hard to see there. There's a tarantula about as big as my hand, and it's right on the gables, right above where Ken is preaching. It's really, it's really a confident story. I'm not sure if they had it wired or not. Maybe it dropped it was time to quit. I don't know. Uh, anyway, but th this is the jungle, and this is, uh, you know, without apology. We put them to sleep there like we put them to sleep here. When they get saved, they want to be obedient, and uh, baptisms are very regular there. They go down to the river, uh, no fancy baptismal tank. They don't need them. They go in, and they baptize. This is a wedding. Remember this morning, I spoke just briefly about the Yanni tribe. Um, this is their tribal attire, and what's happened now is that these couples, they're mul it's a wedding, multiple couples getting married at this scene. They get saved, and you know, Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen says, "If you're in Christ, all things pass away; all things become new." Okay, you're a new creature. Um, this is what's happening. Instead of living together, now they're getting married, but they're going to uh, dress in their tribal garb, the best they have. And now these couples are coming out of a place of living together and and uh, following in marriage uh, the way that uh, would be appropriate uh, in Christianity. Birds are all over the place. This little parrot and I had a good time together. We talked to each other. I found someone my theological equal. Um, and then it was followed by his buddy. And yes, there are two monkeys there. The one is real and the other is me. Uh, this is the village monkey. So most villages have a, a tame monkey. And when I saw this guy, I just said, we got to get to know each other. He was a little more intimate than I was. But this is what happens to them when they get out of control. <laughs> That's going to be somebody's lunch. Uh, Cayman. They, um, this, was a, this was a treasure. Uh, one, and now we're back on the river again. And uh, when, when a family can get a hold of something like this, this is food for weeks. So they're preparing that. Uh, you know, you know the old saying, what does Cayman taste like? It tastes like chicken. chicken. There you go. You're right. That's exactly it. Now, this goes by two names. I know it as Mahas, but there's a more common name, and I don't know that name. It's a rodent. You can see the guy's foot over there in the side to give you some idea of, of uh, size. But they, they, they get to be about like this. And a lot of kids have them as pets. But when they get hungry, oh yeah, we eat them. I've, I've eaten mahas. It's very tasty, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm not trying to be offensive here, but this is a delicacy in Peru. Anyone know what that is? Guinea pig. Yeah. Qui. Yeah. By the bucketful. And... Um, any of you guys, any of you guys squirrel hunters? Well, eat a squirrel is eat one of those things. Both of them aren't worth the time and the meat. And so, you know, feed them and have them as pets, but take them to the marketplace is not worth it. Anyway, uh, and this is a root crop that would be equivalent to our potatoes. So um, the gals are there cleaning it up. Some of the tribal uh, tattooing that goes on uh, rings through the nose, the rest of it, um, and paint. These are typical of the tribal folk in the uh, Amazon uh, jungle. Again, some of the Ani tribe, and looking ahead, never back. This is some of what we do and some of where we're at. 
going into the, the tribe. Some of you have been asking me about the foods and some of the customs and cultures and that. Well, there was a taste of it. Um, I love, I love ceviche. Yes, ceviche is so good. Uh, uh, it's fish that they put um, lime juice, they cure it in lime juice or the, the acidic uh, nature of the lime juice, I guess, cooks it. Uh, so you have the, the raw fish and the onions and the chickpeas. It's delicious. Very common lunch. So when I go down to when I go down to Latin America, that's typical of some of what I would eat and some of what I do. I thought I would invite you, <clears throat> and and I do this intentionally. Um, you you folks have been supporting us, and I'd like to, to at least get a taste of what goes on. When I sit in the classroom with young men. So I brought preparing to apply for a grant from Beam LA with me. So this is what I do with these young guys when they assemble together. And this happens no matter what school I go to. I am preparing a a pipeline of guys to qualify for what we want them to do. To get prepared. What are we looking for? So they don't have to just sort of... Uh, blindly go through their education and then at the end get uh, get all this all, all, all these parameters that beam once and, and they say why don't you tell me earlier so we'll get from sophomores on up through and and if they're the bible students wanting to go into ministry we gather them together and this is what typically gets presented so i'll spend a few minutes here and i have time um and then uh, when I'm finished, if you have questions that I'm not covering, please, uh, we'll take a few moments for that, okay? So, when to start? I would go and um, I would open in prayer in the facility. And I think it might be a good time for us to open in prayer uh, after that video and after you see what I eat. Father, thank you very much for this time that we can now get down to some of the nuts and bolts of a selection, uh, important for a church to know what they're, what, what they're participating in. And I'd like to give them a confidence here that we're doing our homework. And because of that, and because of the structuring, we're producing well for you. So thank you for that. Lord, uh, my heart is heavy over what's going on in parts of this world. My heart's heavy and how it's affecting my dear friends. But Lord, souls still need to come to Christ. And, and on this other end, we, we still want to do justice and opportunity and, and, and redeeming the time and, and, and standing as good stewards. So help us, to, help us to appreciate what you've been doing through this ministry in Latin America. Apart from war apart from, for the most part, apart from uh, uh, thugs and, and, and those that would do harm to us. So we thank you for this and ask that you continue to bless this church, this program, your people. Let the footprint of Christ grow and grow, we pray in his name. Amen. Um, to, say that, to say that the earlier part of this service doesn't weigh heavy on my heart would be an understatement. I, I, am, a, I am a good friend of Bruce. Uh, we, we have known each other for decades and decades. And so I, it's sort of like I'm wrestling. You know, it's like, here's our ministry. And, and we have a good ministry. We, we're, we're seeing it produce and, and expand. And it's almost like, but what about this, Lord? You know, what about this? And the only way I can reconcile it is to say that we use the opportunities that we're given. And we pray for those that are going through conflict, which we do and which we are. And, and we rejoice in the advances that God's making on other fronts. So that's the side I'm lending myself to right now. And, and please know I'm not, I'm not trying to be cold or, or not trying to discount what's going on in other parts of the world. It, it's very real to me. It's, it truly is. With that said, may I invite you into my classroom. Typically, I ask the overseers of the colleges, the deans, to give me an hour with their, with their uh, young men going into ministry. I'll not take that long. 
but to give me about an hour with them so I can prepare them to qualify or to set themselves in a place where we will strongly consider who they are and what they bring to the table. I, I think the, the, the way that we might approach this would be to say something like, um, th- this, is the, this is the group or this is the preparation that we're asking for for these young men to make them not only available for ministry, but selectable for ministry. You, you catch that? Uh, a lot of people are available, but not everyone is selectable. Let me, uh, let me sort of share a thought with you. As I go through this, I'm going to be talking as though you're a group of pastors or a group of would-be pastors. But of a truth in our churches, are we not to strive to be available and selectable for service? And they're two very different animals. So as we go through, maybe you can uh, ask, ask yourself, you know, is this a good program? And how am I doing with it? How am I doing in this, this area? I'm not going to preach to you, but I am going to share with you what we ask our guys to do to prepare for service for the Lord. First thing that I want to do is when they start, and first thing in the classroom is to say how important their testimony is. Um, I, I do something out of Acts chapter 22 with Paul and his testimony. And Second Thessalonians chapter 1, where Paul talks about the value of his testimony. Do you realize how much of a precious thing God has given us in our testimony? Oh, how precious that is. And I want a clear testimony of salvation. Part of our application process is that they must write out their salvation testimony. It's only fair that we would have a very clear and articulated uh, presentation of their salvation. The next thing that we're after is this idea of a clear calling to the ministry. Right now, most... Many that are doing work in missions, many of the missiologists are saying that the reason that guys are coming off the field is because they're going there without a sure calling. They aren't sure about their calling. They, they can't identify it. They don't know if they're called or not. And then when they go on and troubles come, they come off of the field prematurely. Now, I think there are places where, and we're, we're talking about this, where it's time to come off the field or, or we have other ministries we can get involved in for the betterment for the cause of Christ as much as we're, we're willing to know. You heard a phone call from Bruce. I mean, he's wrestling. There's no doubt in my mind the man's called. That's not even on the table. What a tremendous testimony. But he wrestles with this, when to come, when to go. What does that calling do? And where does, should I stay or should I go? And, 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 and do I, I invest in other guys? I want, I want our men to struggle with that. I, I really do. I want them to wrestle with it. Because the day may come when that's them. When they have to make decisions. Do I stay? Do I stop? And again, I showed you the numbers this morning. About 50% of our folk aren't going back to a second term on the field. I'm, I'm very concerned about that. I truly am. The third thing I ask them for is to seek endorsements from the, uh, of that calling from their home church and their pastor. In other words, now we're getting to the place where they are led. They have the emotions. They have the, 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 um, the epithemia, the, the lust for ministry. And then they're stretching out the, the desire that, that, that's pictured as a runner approaching the finish line. That's 1 Timothy 3, 1. And they have that. But now where is the endorsement from the church? And that's Acts 13. We see Paul and Barnabas, Acts 11, 19 and following in the church at Antioch for a year. And Acts 13 is when it picks up. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers and they named five men. Paul and Barnabas are there. And part of that, there is an authentication and a, a ministry um, validation from that church and from God. So we want endorsements from that church. We want people that see them and know them. People that are there and, and have their, 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 their yoking with them. And they see the abilities of these young men. 
we, we have plenty that are volunteering for two years of, of, of support. But we don't have those many or that many men who can come with the authentication and the validation of, of, the, of that very support. And I'm going to slide down here and get a quick drink of water. So we have the testimony, their calling, and we have the endorsements from the church. One of the other things we're looking for is their skills in evangelism. It makes sense if they are going to start a church that they are able to lead people to Christ. How can you start a church if you can't lead someone to Jesus? It's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's foolish. Every, every man that, that is a candidate, I ask him, how are you doing with your evangelism? What, what are you seeing? Are you seeing people coming to know Christ on a regular basis? These would be the ones that not only uh, by biblical instruction to the pastor are we to do the work of an evangelist, but these are the ones that we are looking for who are, Ephesians 4, gifted with the gift of evangelism. And I'm not talking about the guy that goes from church to church to church to church. I'm talking about the guy that is able to um, just turn conversations into, into product, productive conversations for the gospel. You know what I'm talking about? Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So, so we want these guys skilled in evangelism. Um, the next thing I talk about is doers of the word of God, not just students of the word. It's very easy in an academic situation to get so caught up in book learning that you don't get out of your study. We don't want that. I, I, would, I would by far rather have a B student who's out in the streets and doing the work of the Lord than an A student who can't pry himself away from, from his study. Um, and, and it seems that this is very well understood in the practical sense. Actually, I'd like to have A students that are out on the streets too, but... but if it's an either or, I'll take the, the B student every day, every, every time. So be doers of the word, not just a student. Build a high value for the word of God. We want these guys to just hold the Bible as precious. In the application, we would go through uh, basically the appear, or how, how they relate to the Bible. Uh, deity of Christ, uh, inspiration of scripture, miracles, on and on. What we would call the fundamentals of the faith. And we want to see that. We want them to sign off. Yes, this is what we believe. Next, an understanding of God's expectations for a pastor. We want them to be very, very single focused on this. It's not, I want to be a pastor and a car mechanic. It's not, nothing wrong with that, uh, being a mechanic. Not, nothing wrong. Please don't read anything inappropriate here. But we want these guys to be single-focused. I am going to give myself to the ministry. I'll talk about that a little bit more later. Understand God's expectations. And then a godly wife. When I tell these guys, they sit down, they're goofy in their first years of college. You know, the, the, the typical freshman. You know, they're all excited about school. And, and there's some girls around them that are godly girls. And they're all in love or they're Twitter-pated. And... and I see they better be a godly woman. I can't tell you how many guys are out of the ministry today because they chose wrong. That's the truth. And we want to prevent that as much as we can in the selection process that we go through with Deem. We, we play hardball. We talk about things that nobody wants to talk about. But we want these guys to be a success. A success for the Lord. When to start? Well, we tell them to start right away. How to position yourself for consideration. The first thing that we talk about in this section is understanding that the grant is there for two years. 24 months of support. It will end at that time. You must work hard. You save any extra funds. You teach your church to give and be willing to live on the level of the people you serve. That's black and white. That's what we teach them. So we're not gearing up for the health and wealth gospel down there. They're not riding around in, in big automobiles when their people are walking with donkeys. Okay? 
They are living where their people are living. That's what we're doing. And that's real important. The second thing is you must understand that your primary job... Now listen to this. Because this is... I, I sort of get ridiculous with this. Maybe not, but a little. You must understand that your primary job, your passion, must be to get a church started for the Lord. That's what you're there for. You'll spend a large amount of time in evangelism. You must think, live, and speak evangelism. It becomes your life. That sound familiar, Pastor? Yeah. That's some of the training that we were under when we went through. And it rolled over into this. We want these guys to... This is, this is what they're about. You know, you go to Chick-fil-A and what do they say at the cashier? You pay them the money and they say what? My pleasure. I want them to be Chick-fil-A-ers here. My pleasure in everything about the ministry. This is what they're about. Not starting a second church. Not, not getting more missionaries out of their church. For two years, this is their job. To eat, sleep, drink, think. This is their job. They have to be so focused on this. And those are the guys that are getting the job done. And they are. It's really interesting. The next thing I tell them about positioning is if you can build a team to help you get the church started, you're going to be ahead in the process. Two are better than one. Your wife must understand that this two-year block of time will be your church starting gift. Use it well. And this is where it gets hard. He will be out in the streets. He will be doing the work of ministry. And it, it, it's tough. The, his wife will be at home. The kids are crying. They have... The, whatever. And he's going to be doing this ministry. Um, I was musing with one of the men. I can't forget me. I can't remember which one I was talking to. But I was told um, uh, on the way in, my wife and I were musing in the, on the ride over here. Uh, somebody wrote us and said, the ministry is like a walk in the park. Jurassic Park. <laughs> Um, there, there are times it just gets hard and they have to go into it with their eyes open. Next, while you're at school, study hard, serve consistently, lead others to Christ, disciple new converts, serve in your church, keep your home church informed about your progress and goals, pray for the Lord's leading. You should choose an area, and this is important, and we're telling these guys this. You should choose an area that needs a church and can sustain a church and a pastor and a family. In other words, go to the larger church, go to the larger cities. It's Pauline. It's, it's right out of the book of Acts. Go to these places that you can establish a strong church. And that church can grow and spread out and take the gospel out from it. I love First uh, Thessalonians 1. From you sounded out the word of God that we need not say anything. Uh, it, it went to Macedonia and Achaia. The whole region uh, of Greece on that, on that eastern coast. Both north and south. And that was the testimony of the church at Thessalonica. That's what we want from these guys. That's the kind of church that we want. We want to build. We want to see. And we want to hear about that's it. Don't look for the smallest village to work in. Choose a city where you can make an impact, build a work, and see God use it for other churches to start from yours. Think bigger than four walls. Think about the five loaves and the two small fishes. God does great things, and he can still do it. And that's what we're after. Stay driven. Stay humble. Love your wife. So how does it work? That's the next part that I talk to them about. As you're serving Christ in your schooling, there's going to be eyes watching you. This isn't new. Someone's always watching you. I'll be asking your teachers, your pastor, other ministry people to evaluate you. To evaluate your abilities through your college years. Our selection comes from the collective response of many advisors on the ground. Now, can you see the importance of the structure that we put into place? Where we have a lot of guys working with us so that the ones that we select become the best that we know how to select. 
if they fail, and some might, and some have. But it's not because we haven't done due diligence to try and get them to the place of being the best young men and the best servants that we can have. So as you're serving, know that you're being evaluated. The selection comes from the group of advisors. Not everyone who applies will get selected. And we have limited resources who will be selecting probably only one or two men from any given school in any given year. This goes along with the philosophy of what we're trying to accomplish with BEAM. We're trying to get 12-plus schools that we're very comfortable with, that we can choose the best that they have annually. Well, if we get 12 schools and we choose one a year, that means we're starting a church a month. I think my math is right. If we get two out of those schools, that's 24 That's every other week we're starting a church. Do you see the benefit of this model? I I, I mean, I sit back and I, I think about this stuff. And I just shake my head and say, God, there's so much that can be done with this model. It, it, it's so good. And, and you're blessing it so well. If you're selected, we try to interview each man we invite onto our team, our program. There's an application to be filled out, a budget to be handed in, and reviewed by our peers, and uh, reviewed by our board. Matter of fact, I even brought one in English, just so you could see that this is the application. Uh, and it's, it's pages, um, pages of in- information. I have one in English and one in Spanish here. But it's, it's succinct enough to know where they're at. Yet it's thorough, uh, thorough enough that um, it will take them some time to think it through and to write down their reasons. And we start off with an overview of what we are and what we expect. And then we go into personal information. We go into wife, children's names. And then tell us about your salvation. Uh, list the school and training you have. The name of your sending church pastor. Tell us about your call to ministry. Tell us about your wife's salvation. Um, we want a picture And uh, we talk about issues of marriage, divorce, remarriage, the Bible. Do we have an inerrant word of God? Yes or no? Do you believe in miracles as recorded in the Bible? Yes or no? Virgin birth? Yes or no? Deity of Christ? Yes or no? Substitutionary death of Christ? Yes or no? Bodily resurrection? See, we go down through. That's the fundamentals of faith. And then we go on to, are you a Baptist? And then we go through the Baptist distinctives, we go through dispensation, then we go through some practical areas. So we have these things, we're preparing them. Now is the time in the schooling process to prepare. We want to have good applicants, and we're starting a pipeline early on. It's not just go visit, take something out, a pig in a poke, and, and hope it works. We want these guys to be well prepared. So... We limit it to one or two men from any given school in any given year. If you're selected, we try to interview you and the application is to be filled out. And upon approval, then we start making arrangements for when you start and how you'll be paid. Typically, we're using, we're using Western Union. It seems to be a, a good medium to get money to those that are in our program. You're going to be required to submit monthly reports. By the way, one of the things that we insist on in our program is that we fall under that same discipline. Your church gets a monthly report from us. Monthly. We tell you what the guys are doing. And we try to tell you what all of our guys are doing. Sometimes we don't, we don't get their report in time for publication. But, but we try to make it so that we're under a lot of the same disciplines that we want our men to be under. We think it's fair. And the more that you know about us, the better you can pray for us. You'll be required to submit monthly reports of your progress, including pictures of service, baptisms, events, weddings, prayer requests, etc. And the quality and frequency of your reports helps us to help others. If they do it well with us, we have the opportunity then of being a blessing to other people. We'll ask you to pray for us and we'll pray for you. Now we've incorporated two things and I'm, I'm almost finished. Um, we've incorporated, as of the beginning of 2022, we've incorporated the applicants have to raise 10% of their support. Now, it's not because we ran out of money, but we want more accountability locally. I, 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 can't, I can't 
have eyes on them from up here. I can read their reports. I, I can evaluate their reports. I can ask our advisors, but our advisors are some of the professors and teachers. And for instance, I was in Monterey, Mexico, which is up by the United States border, okay? Brown, um, not Brownsville. Um, I can't remember what's due north of it. Anyway, uh, two hours from our border, our first church starter is going to be down in the Yucatan Peninsula. So that's like hours and hours. It's probably about 14-hour drive. I can't ask them to go down there and have eyes on them all the time. So it's very, very important that we get good reports. And I have churches in that area that have some skin in the game. You know what I'm saying? And their eyes are on these guys. They're there to help them, to encourage them, to pray for them, to supply some folk to help them in evangelism and to help them in campaigns, to invite them to retreats so they're not out there by themselves. We're trying to think about how best to position these folk for success. And then the second thing that we did is we want new church starters to get their church registered as soon as possible. We do not want capital assets in the name of a person. We want them in the name of the church. So we put down, and it's in black and white again, BMLA will not help in capital projects until the church is able to put land building property in the name of the church. And it only makes sense. We're removing temptation from people And believe me, I wish I could say it never happened. Unfortunately, it has. Unfortunately, there are bad tastes in some ministries because of bad pastors or bad trustees of these assets. We're also asking home churches and regional churches to assist the church starter in their work of new churches, of church plant. This would include support, that part of that 10%. Helping canvassing, evangelism, encouragement, gifts, etc. Now, I'm going into schools. I'm talking to young men that are going into ministry. We're helping them prepare. We're helping them to think so that they are looking past the romanticisms of being a freshman in college. We're trying to get them to think like men driven to their calling. And that is a big deal. Believe me, it's becoming harder and harder because of so many alluring, foolish ways of life. And if you think that some of the nonsense from the U.S. hasn't drifted south, you, you are very deceived. What happens up here filters down there. So we're trying to keep them away from some of that nonsense, trying to keep them directed and driven to serving the Lord. That's what we do. We're taking activity from um, having a good advisor base with good schools, prepping the students as they come up through the schools, a good selection process with application and recommendation, and then an encouragement process through the times that they're in. We also encourage some of our men who are finished, actually all of our men who are finished, to keep in touch with us so we can pray for them and we can encourage them. In our letters, typically we try to highlight someone that is completed in our program, has completed our program, and give you information of where they're at and what they're doing. That's BEAM. That's what you're investing in. That's what we're trying to be good stewards of. And you know what, folks? That's what God's been blessing He really, really has. Thank you very much for your prayers, for your faithfulness, for your investment into this mission. Questions? You said that the Lord has been blessing. Um, Give us a, a report in the sense of how many have gone through this program, how many churches have been planted. We have 25 men pl- have planted churches already, and we have six right now that are that we are high, that, that are under our umbrella that we're paying for that we're um, that, that are our men in the process. So, um, so we're working on over 30 churches at this point. Since 
uh, September, I've been full-time. The board has allowed me that ability to go full-time. We have come to a place where the love offerings that come in and, and, and specific donors uh, that have invested into this have allowed me to go full-time with the ministry. That has exponentially, that, that is exponentially growing uh, what we're doing. It's given me t- time to contact more churches, time to be on the road, time to get to churches. I had to turn down meetings before because I, I was bivocational. It just didn't work. Um, now, uh, now, I take, now I take them and I run all over the countryside, uh, back and forth from the East Coast and out. Go out, go out to Washington in um, uh, August. But anyway, we have, we're, we're going to go over 30 when these guys are finished. We'll have 30, Lord willing, autonomous churches. I got I to modify it. COVID took some of our autonomous churches and we had to step back where some of these guys had to go back into bivocation. So I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to say that we, we had that many. They had to step back. We'll see it again, Lord willing. They're, they're determined and they've tasted and it's good. Yes, sir. The limiting, the limiting factor right now is money. That, that's absolutely the limiting factor. Um, I, I've just opened up this fourth, this fourth school. And I, I, forgive me, guys and gals, if, if I was talking to you out there and I, I way too many questions to identify who was asking what. I was asked um, something similar to this. We will not open a ministry until we have the ability to support product from that ministry. So it, that's why it took so long to get to Mexico. I've known of this school for years. I just haven't been able to get there because we haven't had the money to drive that program. Now we do. Now it starts. And it's exciting. Yeah, why not? I'll tell you. <laughs> there are those out there that think so highly of this program that they actually are starting to think of not... Uh, of actually underwriting, in, you know, individuals underwriting specific ministries. I always talk with those who are potential for support and say there is an ethical issue going on here. If you come on board, you're on for two years. Don't you dare leave me hanging. Because my name's on it, your name's on it, and their name. They're quitting jobs and going full time. So there's an ethical issue, two years. And um, it's been very successful. I have two churches right now that I'm waiting for the go-ahead to press the button. Two guys ready to go in full-time and get started with these two churches. Both of them want to take on a ministry by themselves. And by the way, that's what we did when I was down in Maryland too. Our church took on, took on men. And that same church right now is underwriting, as of January, is underwriting one guy themselves. So they're continuing on in some of this thinking. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Yes, sir. As for that commitment that Ron just asked about, and what do you tell the church? How much for a one guy for two years? Okay, so, so depending on where they're at, um, we're looking... Um, let me use Anchor as an example. Uh, bless their hearts, they, they said, we, this is what we can afford. This is what we can do. Do you have anybody falling into these parameters? I have a guy that's working right at about $1,000 a month. I, I rolled that guy to them, and that's within the, the parameters of what they were looking to spend. So that's $24,000. There's a church start, 24000 Yeah. But now, if we go over to Uruguay, which we've opened up, Uruguay is more expensive. So, you know, easily we could... For round numbers, we'll say two thousand a month. So there's forty-eight thousand for um, a, a church in Uruguay. It depends on where it is and how big the family is, and I mean those are some of the variables. I, I'm using when asked about the average, I'm using thirteen fifty a month. That's that's the average I'm using. I, I don't know where I got it from, but it sounds like a good number. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not supposed to say that, am I? <laughs> but you take the high end and the low end, and it's coming in right in that area. So, yeah, that allows us. Yes, sir. 
First Timothy 3 says that there is a lust, that's that epithemia, and there is a drive that the runner has to cross the finish line, and I forget the Greek word for it, and it doesn't much matter, but they're two different words, and both of them drive towards that particular, um, uh, I don't want to use the word vocation, that particular area we, de- we, we label as a calling. But I believe the calling is endorsed by those that see the product. So not only is it the issue of available, but it's selectable. And those are the two things that go hand in hand. That's how I define it. Uh, I, pastor might define it differently, and that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are thousands of different definitions of it. That's mine. That's the one that I look for. So I get authentication or validation from outside agencies. In this case, it would be the professors, the, the American missionaries that see these guys at work, and their local church. And then a clear indication from the individual demonstrated that they have the, the, that drive, that, that lust to go into the sacrificial, humble walk of good ministry. That's, that's my nutshell. Comment before that, you said that, uh, I just wanted them to be clear. You said you want these guys so that they're focused on not starting a second church. You don't want them to start more churches? Not while they're, okay, I want them to get a solid church started. These guys have such a heart for getting churches started that oftentimes they'll go and start their, their own ministry. And then they'll almost immediately start a second one or have branch out. They want to start two or three. And I yank in on the reins and say, no, guys, don't do that. Don't do that. Get yours started. Get it solid. Get it established. Get it so that it will support a pastor. And then go from that point and start other churches. Send out missionaries. Do whatever you're going to do. But get a church started. Get it solid. Get it autonomous. What's the biggest struggle, the guys? What's their topic that they have one of the biggest struggles with for training the churches? Giving. Preaching about giving. They hate it. They absolutely hate to preach to their people about giving. Because of all of the health and wealth uh, gospel stuff that's there. The charismatics, the, the health, health and wealth people. And, and they've ruined so much of the, the joy, the, the biblical joy and, 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 and privilege of giving to the Lord. They've ruined it. And that's one of the big things that, um, that, that they struggle with. So that's why in this particular, they'll hear it four times if they're a sophomore when they, or a freshman when they come in. But giving is part of the preaching that we're asking them to consider, uh, to do it right. To do it right. Yep. So, yeah, uh, sorry, yes, sir. You know, that's a great question. Um, And that's a question that I haven't followed up on uh, too much. Although we include the pastor in the process. For instance, I just got uh, this. I'm doing this because it's fresh in my mind. I just got back from Monterey. I spoke with the three guys that were basically the movers and shakers of that school. The the theological department of the school, uh, UCLA. And um, we have this guy. They all three came to the same consensus. This is the guy we want to present to Beam. All have high response, a good report of him. He says, but we want to talk to his sending pastor, his home church pastor, before we get any farther in this. So one of them contacted the pastor, said, here's the program. This is what's available. We just want you to understand that this is out there. We'd like your, your amen on it. Maybe they know, maybe that pastor knows something that we don't. So we're including them. As much as we're able, we're including them and looping the, the pastors into this process. We, we, we value that highly. We want that. 
Well, it would be wonderful if we wouldn't have to do what we're doing. It would be wonderful, but they don't have the money. This one particular guy, uh, again, I, I can use this as a reference point because it's so fresh. But their church was supporting uh, the actual renting of the house that he's in. He has, a, he has a core group together already. So they were renting the, the house that he's in and the, the church building. Um, probably about $125 a month. But their church is backing off of that because they're struggling for funds. We have it very well in North America. By the way, that's one of the reasons that we don't bring our guys up here. And we don't bring our guys to go from church to church. We want them to keep their mind and focus on their country and their, their standard of living in that. Uh-huh. Okay. He's talking about helping to select the individual. Okay. What's the process that local church has with regard to saying this, this young man, yes, he, he has called to this ministry. We're behind him. We get them in college. So, so once they're in college, perhaps it's an assumption, but we'll loop back to include the pastor at the end of the process. But at the beginning of the process... We don't, we aren't involved in that. That's not within the parameters of what we do. We take the product. They're, realistically, they're finished when we get our hands on them. I go into the schools to prep them for selectability. But I don't have that, I, I, don't, I don't get them at that point. I get them at the back end of it. So if their church isn't, just clarify, I would assume, if their church is not supportive, if, if their church is giving a thumbs down, you're not going to be dealing with it. I'd come back to my board and say, what do you think about this board? Yeah. <laughs> now, the Acts, 18, the Acts yeah. 18 dictates that there has to be the peoples who they're involved in have to give approval, like Apollos. That would, that's, that's a biblical standard. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a matter of working out the details. Uh, we're going to stop. Kids are going to be coming through in just a second. 